Well, hello there. It's Monday. It is the 20th of March, 2023. I'm Richie Allen. Hope you had a good weekend. Thanks for joining me. I've got a very interesting guest for you today. Then I'll be taking your telephone calls and your Skypes. Yippee! Looking forward to that, so I am. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, now a little bit earlier on, I spoke to a lady called Angela Kilmartin. She's a Tory councillor based in Essex, and she was suspended by the party after saying on Facebook in a conversation with somebody who kind of tried to antagonise her, I think, that she doesn't want pride sex flags on the high street in her town. She was suspended. I caught up with her earlier on. It was an interesting conversation. You'll hear that shortly. Uh, Angela Kilmartin. Then, thereafter, or just after that, I'll be taking your telephone calls and your Skype calls. I look forward to that, so I do. That's all in order, by the way. Before that, it is a news rundown because... As usual, there's no shortage of things for me and you to talk about this Monday. There's no shortage of things at all to talk about this blooming Monday. Is there ever? Is there ever? Good weekend, you did. I survived another St. Patrick's Day weekend. I tried to drink my body weight in Guinness on Friday night, but I just fell short a little bit. I fell just short at the 55 kilo mark. Heroic effort, I thought. Yeah, went running the following morning. Not so heroic. Ireland won the rugby, and somehow my my football team is still in the FA Cup. I don't know how. Outplayed by Fulham until they imploded yesterday. They imploded Fulham. But uh, we're in the semi-final, so my weekend wasn't too bad. How are you? You can join in by getting in touch with me via the website richieallen.co.uk. If you don't want to do that, you can tweet me. It's at bbgrichie. That is the Twitter handle. So as I said, news roundup, Angela Kilmartin, and then I'll be taking your telephone calls, so I will. The contact details, they will be on Facebook, but here they are. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. I will post the contact details to the website before I open the phone line, okay? So richieallen.co.uk. The meme with the details will be posted to the website before I open the lines. We should have an hour to talk, you and me, me and you. We can set the world to right so we can. Looking forward to that. The news then. Come here, come here. Only one place to start, really. Uh, Today, I think, only one place to start. There is climate news, dear listener. And when there is climate news, it means one thing and one thing only. We get to give this an airing. Thank God. They sweep their mess under the carpet for our generation to clean up and solve. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. How dare you? The United Nations launched 
today what is being called a major new climate report. That is how it is being reported in the media. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change claims that rising emissions in recent years means, wait for it, that cuts in the new in the next two decades will have to be more extreme than current plans. Yes, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is saying we have to bring forward plans to to um to reduce our emissions. We have to bring them forward by by a decade. Yeah, never saw that coming. They said we've got to do this earlier than we thought before. Never saw that coming. That's the surprise, you see. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, 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 surprise. We saw that coming, didn't we? That they would expedite their plans to get to net zero. We saw that coming. We're not stupid. An 80% global reduction in CO2 emissions is needed to limit the warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, says this new report, but we've got to get there sooner. Sooner than they had previously said we needed to get there. Yeah, the media is all over this today. Let's have a listen to one of the authors of this brand new report. Her name is Friederike Otto. She's a climatologist working these days at Imperial College in London. But she was the author. She's the top banana. She's the boffin. And she spoke to Sky News this afternoon. Her full name is Friederike Ellie Louise Otto. Lovely. Sounds very benign, doesn't it? No, she's a witch. Burn her! Friederike Ellie Louise Otto is the climatologist who says, well, we've got to get our house in order, but sooner than we had previously thought. Oh dear. Um, I think what this report shows very clearly is that we have all the knowledge, all the technology that we need to achieve the net zero targets, and particularly in the developed nations. But what is at the moment missing is the implementation of, of this knowledge and the sense of urgency. So uh, if we... So we've decided to scare the bejesus out of you today. We don't have the framework, the legal framework is not in place. Co- governments are not passing laws quick enough to force their citizens to eat crickets and snails and, 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 and snails and butterflies and God knows what else. They're not doing it quick enough. And the sense of urgency is not there. By Christ, we've tried to scare you into believing that you're going to burn to death in a barren landscape when the ozone eventually disappears. But you're not believing it. So we need more urgency. We need more laws. Just continue as we are doing now. It's completely unrealistic. But we can make it realistic because we don't have to wait for some magic new technology or anything like that. We have everything we need. We just need to implement it. Mmm, we have it, everything we need. It's all there already. Implementation is missing and a sense of urgency. Sky's Tom Clark then piped in with the most important question. Dr Otto, it's Tom Clark here. Um, could I just pick up, there was a, a, a line in the report that really stood out to me uh, that says the choices and actions implemented in this decade will have impacts now and for thousands of years. Can you help put that into context for us? Why, uh, what are those choices that we have to make and why are the impacts a, urgent but also potentially so long-lasting? What are the choices we have to make? She's a little bit reticent to get into that. Little bit. Yes, so the choices we have to make is basically uh, do we continue as we are doing now 
by um, very, very slowly um, maybe reducing the rate of increase in emissions instead of what we need to do, urgently decreasing emissions. Um, and so that, that is the biggest choice we have to make. Yes, but he asked you, how do you get to that? How do you stop increasing ever so slightly the emissions at the moment, the emissions? And how do we get to reversing that so that the emissions are going down? What do you want us all to do, Dr. Otto? And um, when we when we achieve stabilising temperatures at 1.5 degree or, or also at 1.6 degrees, that will mean that as soon as temperatures are stopping to rise, um, things like extreme weather events, uh, so heat waves and heavy rainfall events, are stopping to get worse. So that's that will have immediate effects that that we will. Um, She doesn't sound very convincing. Dr. Otto, do I have to ask you again, how exactly would you like us to achieve this? What do you want us to do, apart from eating crickets instead of hamburgers? We will feel soon that not every year we will then uh, have record-breaking heat waves as we are seeing now, while temperatures and emissions are Yeah, 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 yeah. She wouldn't answer Clark's question. Maybe she will in a minute, we'll hear a bit more from her. Wouldn't answer the question. She just said that if we can slow it down now to 1.5 or maybe 1.6, we won't have so much of the heavy rainfall. And God knows we know that climate change causes the rain to get a bit heavier, don't we? You're born and bred in Glasgow and you've noticed the weather changing. The rain seems to be getting heavier. Sometimes you get up in the morning and there's bucket in the That's right. Climate change causes it to bucket at dune. She hasn't answered Clark's question, Professor Otto, who authored the new report that says urgency is needed, which was specifically about changes in lifestyle. Does she answer it now? Given how desperate the situation is and given how slowly we are acting, are we looking at a situation where we need to radically rethink the way we're going to adapt to the climate change we're already going to see? However um, uh, great our action we take in the next decade is, do we need to do more on adaptation and we, do we need to... Yes. Uh, do we know... Do we know what we need to do? Do we know what we need to do? Do we need to do more adaptation and what do we need to do? She's not, she's never getting into this. Yes, absolutely. So it's not just on mitigation. It's also, we also need to adapt. Um, No matter how successful we are on mitigation, um, we still need to adapt because we are already seeing a huge amount of losses and damages from human-induced climate change. Like Entire ecosystems are collapsing. Lives are being lost, livelihoods and ecosystems. Yeah. And we do know how to do what the report calls transformative adaptation. And that is uh, really reducing the vulnerability of our societies and, and ecosystems by investing... Uh, in social security systems. She won't say it, you see. That's the last we'll hear from Professor Otto today. She wouldn't say it today. In fact, a number of people attached to to this brand new scaremongering report did appear on other media channels today and they wouldn't get into it because the answers, well, we know what the answers are. Well, you're just going to have to stop taking flights, really. You're going to have to stay local, really. You're, you're, you're going to have to adapt to these new 15-minute city ideas that we've come up with. You've got to drastically reduce the amount of dairy and meat that you consume. You'll have to really just give up your cars. You know, if you can't afford an electric car, 
which is a disaster anyhow because as was proven last week the electric cars lose their charge at the speed of light no pun intended when the weather is a bit inclement amazingly and we live here in the UK where the weather is always inclement so you could spend a fortune on an electric car it's just a waste of time so if you can't afford one and even if they are a waste of time you'll just have to give up your cars That's what they don't want to say on the radio and television today. We plan on making your life basically, well, miserable to the point where maybe you won't want to live it. Drastically transform it. Make it very patrician, very dystopian. They don't want to get into it. And what's interesting was uh, yesterday, I mentioned this briefly on the Sunday show, or did I? Maybe I didn't. Maybe I forgot to mention it. Um, The Sunday Times ran a very interesting piece yesterday. And in this piece run by the Sunday Times they referenced a report that was leaked to Le Parisian newspaper, which found in in Paris, which found in France, that tens of thousands of French children are being prescribed antidepressants for mental health issues caused by the climate crisis. And we can laugh at this, and God knows I've lampooned it and sent it up many a time on this programme, but this is serious because we've also spoken about you and I that this really does affect youngsters. They really believe this stuff. And it's a nonsense. I'll explain why in a minute. And according to the Sunday Times here in the UK, so it's bad enough in France, right? A survey from the British Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy. Um, in a survey, 73% of UK 16 to 24 year olds said climate change was having a negative effect on their mental health. 73% of 16 to 24 year olds. And would you believe it? That number is up 20% on the year 2020. So in three years, or two and a half years, it's gone up by 20%, the amount of children, 16 to 24, not not exactly children, young people who say climate change is keeping them up nights and affecting their mental health. And as a result of this, the Sunday Times found that young people are being offered specialist mental health help at schools and universities based on climate change, and I've written about this on richieallen.co.uk. They're creating their own support groups, they're going to GPs, where they are being prescribed drugs for depression and anxiety caused by the climate crisis. And listen to this lunatic. Um, I'm not going, I've not got the audio. I, let's not give the big build-up, I don't have the audio. This is a quote in the Sunday Times from a woman called Dr Emma Lawrence, a research fellow at Imperial College London. Listen to this madness. This is not a mental illness, says Dr. Emma Lawrence. This is a very understandable, empathetic reaction to an existential threat. But it is a mental illness because there is no existential threat from man-made climate change. There is no existential threat from CO2 emissions generated by human activity. The Sunday Times goes on to say there is some correlation between eco-anxiety and pre-existing disorders, but it's not just people who have a tendency to be anxious that feel this. 10,000 children in 10 countries. University of Bath did a survey. They surveyed 10,000 children in 10 countries. 75% of those who responded, 75% of the 10,000 children, which by my mathematics is 7,500 children, right? said the future was frightening. 56% said humanity was doomed and 58% felt betrayed by their own government's response to climate change. The youngsters believe it and they're scared of it. I don't want to go out today. Why? 
the climate. That's no joke, that. Climate anxiety in children is real. It has, it has as much to do with the failure of, a, of adults to act as it does to the climate's problems. That's Caroline Hickman from the University of Bath. That's very telling. The anxiety in children is partly down to the climate problems, but it's also down to the failure of, of adults to act uh, on it and do something about it. Are you getting children of the corn vibes, dear listener Stephen King? Are you? Malachi, he's here for you too, Malachi. They're coming for the adults maybe with the hammers and the sickles. Wow. This is astonishing stuff. And let me just be clear on this, because this is something I know a lot about, because I've read a lot about it. And I'm not sponsored by ExxonMobil. I'm not sponsored by Shell. Um, I'm just a reasonably bright guy with a couple of degrees who can do his own research. There has never been an easier hoax to debunk than what they call the climate crisis. Never. I've said it a thousand times on this programme. If you look at the Earth's atmosphere, what is it made up of? Which gases? Nitrogen makes up 78% of the atmosphere. 21% is oxygen. Argon is 0.93%. Carbon dioxide makes up, wait for it, 0.041%. 0.041%. You've got trace amounts of helium, hydrogen, methane and maybe neon. There's lots of water vapour. So where does the 0.04% carbon dioxide come from? I'll tell you, dear listener, where it comes from. It doesn't come from me and you and our own flatulent emissions. It doesn't come from the factories where we manufacture our things. Although the factories where we manufacture our things are on the decline now, if not gone, after the scamdemic. I'll tell you where the CO2 in the atmosphere comes from. It comes from the decomposition of plants and animals. It comes from volcanic or volcanic, volcanic activity. It comes from the oceans. That's where it comes from. They do not know how much of the 0.0% of CO2 in the atmosphere is produced by human activity. They haven't a clue. And that's the question the media tends to swerve doesn't want to talk about it because as far as the media is concerned, the science has settled on climate change. Everything I have just said to you is true, is 100% true. And historically, again, you've just got to do a bit of research, there have been periods when there was far more CO2 in the atmosphere than there is now, predating the Industrial Revolution. This is something that the climate crisis models will not touch. And as I've said to you a thousand times on this program, the climate change models, which are endorsed by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, do not mention the sun's effect on the planet and on the climate either. Imagine that. Hang hang on, Dr. Otto, hang on. You're telling us that we have a decade to, to, to change the way we live and eat and where we go. Or we're doomed, you're telling us that. Yeah, okay. And it's based on these models that talk about warming, right? But there's not a mention of the sun, that massive big ball of fire in the sky. Yeah, yeah. I I don't believe you. They're scaring the living shite out of children with this nonsense. There has never been an easier hoax to debunk, and yet 
here we are again today. Remember when we told you we had to drastically change things by 2050 in order to save the planet for future generations? Yes. Well, we've got to bring it back, uh, bring it forward, excuse me, by a decade, so we do. Um, because it's even more urgent than we previously thought. So let's send out Dr. Otto to talk to people on the telly. Let's scare the children even more. So they'll run to their GPs to be prescribed antipsychotic, not antipsychotic, antidepressants. And they'll be set off on a chain for the rest of their lives. Every time they feel a bit nervous, don't worry, I've got a script for you. Even though the things you are nervous about are not even happening. It is 20 minutes past the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show. I'm Richie Allen. Lots more news to come. Then we've got Angela Kilmartin. Looking forward to you hearing Angela. And then it's over to you. I'll be taking your telephone calls. Now, a BBC investigation has found that 395 UK hotels are being used to house 51,000 asylum seekers. 395 hotels have been commandeered to house 51,000 asylum seekers here in Blighty. What kind of fuckery is this? Yeah. And, and, and here's how it works, right? The Home Office rings up a hotel, right? Hello, is that Mr. Faulty? Yes, it is. I'd rather you spoke to my wife, Sybil, Sybil, because I'm an ignorant bastard. I don't speak to people. Put Sybil on the phone. Sybil, we will fill your hotel for six months or for a year or for a year and a half. We'll give you plenty of money. Are you amenable to that, Sybil? Yes, I am. Kick out all of your guests. And have you got local people, Sybil, who come around to use the hotel, the facilities, the swimming pool? Do they? Do they play bridge? Yes. Well, they can't come around anymore, Sybil. It's for the asylum seekers and the asylum seekers only. I will put you in touch with a private company like Serco. They will take over the running of the hotel. You and Basil can sit back on your fat arses, smoke a cigar and chill out. The money will just roll in. This is how it works. Don't believe me? Let's have a listen to BBC Radio 5 Live this morning. Six million pounds a day. Six million pounds a day. Six million pounds a day the Home Office is spending on keeping 51,000 asylum seekers in these hotels. Yeah, it's mad stuff. BBC Home Affairs uh, reporter Daniel Sanford on BBC Radio 5 Live this morning. He was first asked, Take us through what happens, Daniel, when they take the person off of the small boat in the channel. When they take him off the boat, talk us through what happens from that very, very minute. Here is Daniel Sanford, BBC, Radio 5 Live. Well, very typically, they'll uh, be brought in on a boat, a water force boat, into Dover, having been rescued at sea. Uh, there'll be a very quick bit of uh, processing, usually at, at Manston, which is just up the road from Dover. And then from there, uh, in order to avoid the kind of chaotic scenes we saw in October when Manston became massively overcrowded, uh, the asylum seekers are moved very, very quickly out into what's called initial accommodation. Now, uh, previously, initial accommodation uh, meant sort of uh, little kind of places where people could stay for a short while while their asylum uh, application was being looked at but now really since the pandemic uh, initial accommodation means hotels and it basically means the kind of hotels where uh, ordinary people go and stay on mm. business uh, on holiday uh, they are hotels and they can be anywhere at first there seemed to be some uh, selection of where the hotels uh, were in the country but the home office became so desperate essentially they'll book any hotel that is available and when they book a hotel they book the whole 
hotel. And while that might be very strange for the communities, uh, when suddenly a, a hotel uh, is booked out f- full of asylum seekers, there are implications beyond that, because those hotels in many communities are used as leisure centres. People use the pool, they use mm. the gym, uh, they're used as wedding venues. Yeah, but not now. And so suddenly this whole tranches of people's businesses snatched away. Peggy, Peggy, yes, Blanche, you're playing bridge tomorrow over at the uh, the Granville. Over, no, we can't, Peggy, we can't, we can't. Because it's full up of um, young men from God knows where. And the hotel is now closed off to us. That avenue of pleasure is now closed off to us, Peggy. Basically is what's going on. So that's Daniel Sanford. Let's hear some more from Daniel Sanford. He was then asked, what about the local authorities where the hotels are located? Have they got anything to say on it, the local authorities, Daniel? Well, because this is being used essentially as hotel accommodation, there is almost no discussion with the local authorities. They get notified just a few days before, oh, by the way, your little hotel in your village, uh, which houses 80, 100, 200 uh, people is going to be completely booked out by the Home Office, and that's that. And the only negotiation is really with the hotel owner. It's called a notification from the Home Office rather than any kind of negotiation. So mm. uh, very often... The- it's a notification from the Home Office to the local authorities. It's fantastically Orwellian, this. This is totalitarian. Hey, listen, local authority there in Kent, whichever whichever one it is, yeah, we've just taken over a couple of hotels and we're filling them with uh, young men from Albania and Afghanistan. And uh, there's a feck all you can do about it. So uh, you can like it, is what you can do. And I don't give a damn about all of the people in the area who use the hotel for various things, the weddings and the 21st birthday parties and the big fat gypsy weddings and all of that stuff. No, 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 the hotel now is being taken over and it's going to be used to house the asylum seekers. You've got no say in it, local authority, which doesn't have any authority. Really. The district councils, the county councils have no say whatsoever about that. And yes, there are some implications. Obviously, very often these uh, are young men and so they don't have massive health needs and they don't have massive education needs in the short term. They may, may later on want to go into further education. So the biggest effect is actually suddenly on this presence of lots of very bored young men mm. in sometimes quite a small community and on the removal of the facilities that the hotel used to provide as a sort of bored, typical service. Bored young men in communities, bored. What could possibly go wrong is what I'm thinking, dear listener. Let's hear a bit more from Daniel Sanford. What about the money then? Is it big business, Daniel, is it? I mean, the Home Office is now paying £6 million a day um, and, uh, which is obviously a huge sum. It is, isn't it? There are people in this country who, through no fault of their own, are using food banks. Really good people, you know. Young men and women who started businesses. Do you remember that lovely woman who phoned in the radio show a few weeks ago, Zoe, remember? Who had um, a beauty business and a hair business. Remember Zoe? Uh, borrowed, t- took a small loan out. Small, not small to most of us. She took a few bob out. Uh, got, got her business together. She's qualified, good woman. And uh, the government destroyed her business. They destroyed it. They told her that if she went to work, basically she'd be arrested. Like everybody else, she'd be fined, wrecked any chance she had of making her way in the world. And I know that Zoe struggles. There are times when she can't put food on the table. But they've got six million quid to keep um, these young men from countries where 
they're at no real risk. Not every country. Listen, asylum seekers are real. There are people who have to come to countries for shelter because they are under the jackboot of a despot. I totally understand that, and it does happen. But it seems that the majority of people coming into this country and into the Emerald Isle are young men coming from countries where there isn't any real threat to them, their own countries now, and they're here for economic reasons. The government can find £6 million a day to spend on those men after they destroyed the lives of young men and women, recent graduates from universities, recent trainees who came out of apprenticeships. Yes, let's have a go at this world now. Let's have a go now. I've uh, done my education. I'm ready to have a good crack at it now. Maybe take a gap year, come back, do what Zoe did, get some money, start your business. No, they wrecked those people's lives and now they're finding £6 million a day. It's madness, this stuff, isn't it? I, because it doesn't affect me directly, I managed to keep a lid on the rage. But if it did affect me directly, I don't know what I'd do. And you know, they, are, they are needing someone to provide them with this service. And again, it's, it's almost anyone, name any reasonably cheap hotel chain, they've probably got some hotels uh, which the Home Office has block booked. Uh, there is, for example, a, a, a conference booking service which was used particularly actually for the afghans who were excluded from these figures but called called conference called the conferences called the conferences which uh, used to uh, basically provide travel services to the home office has had a really 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 significant increase in their profits uh, mm. because of this mm. uh, new business they suddenly got um, and in some uh, communities that the hotels which had a few rooms booked out at any one time are suddenly full so that's a, a lot of money for the hotel owner but it has implications for their staff because actually they don't need the same they don't need staff really uh, to man the bar no they don't need staff at all because circo will supply their own staff agency people and will feed these people these so-called asylum seekers and the hotel staff are out of a job. And all the little subsidiary businesses who do business with the hotel, you know, people who sell floral arrangements, as we heard for the weddings there and everything else, well, those people are, are, are kind of out of business too. It's wonderful, this, isn't it? They don't need staff to uh, help out in, in a, yes. serving yes. a guest in a restaurant. Yeah. This restaurant service might become a buffet. Mm -hmm. And so, actually, people lose their jobs. People are losing their jobs. And wait for it, let's finish this little story. The guy you heard speaking there, Daniel Sanford, right, the BBC Home Affairs correspondent, he, he then went down to... Where did he go? He went to one of these hotels in Wiltshire, I think. Listen to this. This is a report from, from one of these hotels. It's hard to believe. Welcome to the Wiltshire, a hotel, golf course and retirement village set in rolling hills near Royal Wooden Bassett. Wooden Bassett, excuse me. The hotel is called the Wiltshire. Listen to this. Home to more than 100 mostly older residents. Now also home to more than 80 asylum seekers who moved in in December. The Leisure Village residents pay to access the hotel's pool, gym and golf course but have had to enter by the back door since the asylum seekers moved in. Down in the village, I found resident and former TV presenter Christopher Morris. Remember Christopher Morris? Now 84 years old and quietly fuming. We find it difficult now to access the facilities. We can't go in the front door, it's locked. 
There are security men shooing us away. We have to go around the back and the facilities are much more reduced. People don't bother to go there anymore. The retired residents are unnerved by the arrival of lots of young men who mill around at night, but they're not the only ones who say the hotel is completely unsuitable for asylum seekers. Lots of young men who mill around at night. There were a hundred senior people living in this little village. Now there's 180, 80 young men housed in this hotel. I found 25-year-old Simpe from Sudan heading to catch a bus to Swindon. Simpe from Sudan. He's been in the hotel for three months and says its isolated location means there's no way of learning about British society. There is nothing to do here, nothing. We, we stay the whole day at the, at the room doing nothing. What do you do? Nothing, nothing. Actually, uh, we started getting depressed. Uh, I've been talking with them to see some uh, therapist. What? What did you just say, Simpe? Actually, uh, we started getting depressed. Uh, I've been talking with them to see some uh, therapist. <laughs> You're getting depressed now in the hotel. They're spending six million pounds a day to keep people like you in the hotel. But you're getting depressed and now you'll want more money to go and see a therapist. Yeah. Lovely. Let's finish with this before we hear from Angela Kilmartin. Let's finish with this one. I'm depressed, says the asylum seeker, because there's nothing to do. Therefore, I'll need to see a therapist. This is vaudeville. It is vaudeville. You say it? No, I don't say it too often. I don't say it often enough. Let's um, finish with this. It's the 20th anniversary today of the invasion of Iraq in 2003. Remember that? Millions of people dead. Hey, listen, I mean this, by the way. To everyone who has been had their lives ruined by the COVID scam, everyone who is borderline homeless, right? After hearing what we just heard there, if it gets to the stage where you're about to be on the street, and God forbid that it ever will get to that stage, by the way, but if it does, use your last few quid to board a ferry to France. When in France, get a rubber dinghy, wait for a flat, calm day, and head back for the UK. When the Royal Navy picks you up, or a fishing trawler, put on a heavy Eastern European accent, say that your name is Dimitri, and say that Vladimir Putin tried to kill you and stole your papers. You'll be in a hotel in no time with a swimming pool, probably with uh, Christopher Morris and, and his senior pals. You'll get three squares a day. You'll get a bottle of Smirnoff a day to make you feel at home. And if you, if you feel depressed about all of this, we'll get you a therapist. How about that? Jesus. Right, it's the 20th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq. Millions dead. Millions dead. You know, half a million children dead. Something that um, former US Secretary of State Madeleine Albright thought was good value for money. Remember that? 60 Minutes. Remember Madeleine Albright, the, the US Secretary of State, saying that half a million people dying? Well, it's fantastic. It's, uh, it's worth it. We have heard that a half a million children have died. I mean, that's more children than died when, when, in, in Hiroshima. And, and, you know, is the price worth it? I think this is a very hard choice, but the price, we think the price is worth it. Iraq's military... The price is worth it, said Madeleine Albright, killing a million. Uh, Three million Iraqis and 500,000 children. Wonderful. Um, so, Kay Burley... 
uh, interviewed today on the 20th anniversary of the invasion, the neocon hawk John Bolton, that lunatic. Uh, he was in the studio today. John Bolton was in the studio to talk about the Iraq war with Kay Borley. Now, every time John Bolton tells a lie, hang on, hang on, just grabbing the fartometer here. Every time John tells a lie, you will hear this sound. This is operating independently of me now, right? Okay. Let's just test that it's working. Every time he tells a lie, let's just test it there. Um, I am a beautiful man who should be a male model. Right, okay, it's working. Now, John Bolton with Kay Burley. Let's have a listen. They're talking about the Iraq war. Um, talk to me about the fact that it is the 20th anniversary of the start of the Iraq war. Um, speaking to Lord Ricketts, who you may or not know, he, um, he was very much involved um, at the time in the foreign, foreign office. Do you feel... Uh, that it was a pointless war? No, it was absolutely the right thing to do. Uh, and the period of major combat operations between today, March 20th, and May 1st uh, was an extraordinarily successful and professional effort to remove Saddam Hussein, who was a threat to international peace and security by his pursuit of nuclear weapons. The fact that Saddam Hussein is dead and that Iraq does not have nuclear, chemical, or biological weapons today is a huge advance for uh, for peace and security around the world. The, you, you cannot treat the 20 years from, from 2003 to today as a single block of granite. Everything uh, flowing... Let's leave that there, shall we? John Bolton. How Burley could sit there and listen to that and not interject, or at the very least, bite the bollocks off of the man. I'd give her the Pulitzer myself if she did that just launched at him head first, groin region, and just ripped his testicles off. That mass murdering maniac. The time is 21 and a half minutes, 22 and a half minutes even, to the top of the air. Let's um, get to our guest then today, Angela Kilmartin. I, I read about Angela this morning in the Telegraph. She's, um, all of the stories have gone with Tory councillor 81. They're obsessed with the fact that Angela is 81 years of age. Um, she's been suspended. In fact, she was suspended on Saturday for saying that she doesn't want pride sex flags on high streets. Okay, this is because somebody got in touch with her on Facebook about this. She responded saying that sex is for the bedroom and private life, not for displaying preferences in public. Angela Kilmartin, Tory councillor, and I caught up with her this morning. And um, she's a real interesting listen. Have a listen to it. Uh, don't forget you can comment at richieallen.co.uk and I will be taking your calls a little bit later on. My conversation with Tory councillor Angela Kilmartin. Angela, good morning. Lovely to meet you and thanks for agreeing to, uh, to chat with me. Before we talk about what you did and didn't say, does the party, or, or help explain to me, an Irishman after St. Patrick's weekend, who is a little bit woolly-headed at the moment, how does the party have the right to suspend somebody for 20 days or 21 days because of something they said? How does that work exactly? Good morning, Richard. Thank morning. you very much for having me on. Oh, hello, Richie. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, if... I say to you that I really don't know because I've never been in such a situation. That is the absolute truth. I think it's to do with what the Conservative Party wants to represent to its people. And therefore, 
I have been suspended, only suspended, not barred, just suspended for 21 days from the Conservative whip, the Conservative Party. I have not been suspended from any public duties because I clearly am a councillor for what is another almost two months. And I take my work as a councillor extremely seriously. So let's repeat, I've not been suspended as a councillor. I have been suspended for 21 days only. It, the, the extra words are pending investigation. Now that will be interesting because to suspend me pending further investigations means that they're going to look carefully, I hope, at the email trail that was on Facebook because I did not initiate the correspondence. I responded and I did not respond using my councillor title. I responded as a plain citizen. Um, and of course, I'm perfectly entitled to. Um, it involved the high street, which of course belongs to all the people. It happens to be, Richie, that it is in one of my wards. I represent two wards. I represent Central Ward Whitton as a Braintree District Councillor, and then I represent South Ward as a Whitton Town Councillor. So I consider that for the last eight years of my tenure, I have in fact, if you like to look at it like this, worked 16 years but that's up for <laughs> what people think. But nonetheless, it's been a long and satisfying and very happy association with the people of Whitton. Well, I'm an Essex girl through and through. An Essex girl through and through. Thanks for answering that, because that, that's the point I wanted to make with my question, is that you represent your constituents in those wards. They elected you to that position. And the idea, the papers have obviously gotten it wrong, the idea that you could be somehow prevented from representing those people based on an opinion. Well, that's obviously not true. So thanks for answering that. So what was said to you on Facebook about the, the streets and what was your response exactly to do with these pride flags? Well, the pride flags have one, apparently, and because I'm not there to see it, one pride flag has been egged, in other words, an egg thrown at it, about six times a business flies. I don't know what the business is or where it is. It's been egged by somebody chucking an egg at it about six times. And this person whose business it was wrote in to say how disgusted he was, words to that effect. And would and he was going to buy a lot of pride flags and get them put up all down the high street. Well, that was the trigger. As a perfectly ordinary member of the public, I then wrote in response and said, I don't want sex pride flags down my high street. And I don't want any other flags down my high street. The town hall flies a flag. It flies at various times the Royal British Legion flag during um, Remembrance in November. It flies the British flag um, during times like when the coronation is going to happen. It flew for one month only over a year ago, a pride flag. Um, and there's reasons for that. 
but it's not been flown again. And as I understand, it won't be flown again. But the thought of sex pride flags, because the pride flag is about sex. No one, no matter how much they try to wriggle, it is about sexuality. And I don't want my high street fluttering flags like that. And I personally, Richie, don't think it will be. But this person has gone out of his way on Facebook to say he's going to be buying more flags and presumably they'll be going round the town shops and asking if they could be flown. Now, in my book, that is a little questionable to do. We have a shop that does the local little notices, like if you want a cleaner or if you have a car to sell or whatever. For years, this shop and many others like it have been putting those little tiny notices on white paper on a little notice board in the shop window. We have never, ever, as far as I'm aware, anywhere been asked in this country to fly sex pride flags all the way down the high street. Let so it's me, um, very Angela, interesting. let me be the devil's advocate here. What if um, a gay man or woman is listening to this and they say, well, for me, Angela, the flag is more about tolerance and acceptance that I am a gay man and we, 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 we walk behind the pride flag because we're asking to be treated just like everybody else. It's actually not to do with the in-the-bedroom stuff. So how would you respond to that if a gay person said that? Well, I don't think that's quite right. We all, as the general public, understand it to be a flag promoted by marches and talks on everything to do with sexuality. And as a normal con- uh, normal population, everybody is included in the normal population anyway. I have never seen or heard any nasty stuff. And for your information of the hundreds of emails in support of me coming in, I have had a lot, and I mean a lot, plus phone calls, plus letters of congratulation from people in the Pride movement who don't want it spread all over a high street. They just want to be like the rest of the population, completely included. And they are. They are completely included. And left alone. Um, can, I, can I say this? When you mentioned earlier that somebody might have egged a flag... Now, nobody condones vandalism, and I don't want to sound like I'm condoning it, but I'll tell you where you and I probably have some common ground. Um, my, my, the biggest influence on my career was a gay broadcaster who's sadly no longer with us, great man. Um, one of my best friends is gay. I, I'm, I'm a straight guy. I'm, I'm living in sin, Angela, with, with my French missus. I have been for many years. I have no issue with it, and I'll tell you where I get kind of annoyed. And maybe the person who threw the egg at the flag, maybe. It's this kind of imposition of this ideology where, where we're, we're being told that there is a problem when we know there isn't one. I don't care what somebody's sexuality is. My only interest is in if they're a nice person or not. And I don't like society telling me that I'm a bad person and that I need to be kind of re-educated on stuff that I just don't care about. And I'm getting that vibe from you as well, Angela. 
Well, I think that's true. And about the egg situation, first of all, it's a shocking waste of food of <laughs> various scarcity yeah. at the moment. Um, I would not. Uh, you can make a dozen pancakes with one egg and feed a family for an evening meal. So I, for one, think it's a shocking waste of an egg. But going to your point, the person who threw this egg is clearly feeling frightened and unable to express themselves in any other way. Like this morning, I've been called a heroine by many, many letters and a hero for standing up for what everybody else thinks. Um, and I have been able to express very simply that I don't want pride flags, sexual pride flags up and down my high street. But the person who threw the egg clearly hasn't got enough confidence to go online, to go to the newspaper and say, look, I don't want this business flying a pride flag. Angela, that's, and another, yet, that's another really big problem, isn't it? If you set aside your right to express your opinion about the pride flags, we've moved into an era. I've been a journalist since 1998. And I can't quite believe where we are at the moment. Now, you're a little bit older than I am. And uh, so you can remember back further. Did you ever imagine a time when somebody could be, the term they use these days, of course, is cancelled, where they could be denied, you know, the, the right to participate in society because they have an opinion that others deem to be, um, you know, unpalatable or, or, or not correct. These are scary times, I think, for free speech. Well, I think, I, I, are you putting me as the person who might be scared or are you putting the pride population as being scared? No, no, just, just people in general. I mean, people, I think, in general oh, yeah. are nervous about expressing an opinion that maybe is not fashionable, even though it's an opinion they hold dear to their hearts because they, they realise there may be consequences. I mean, people will read the story today and they'll just see the headlines. Conservative lady, councillor, has been suspended. It's not entirely true because she said, don't put these pride sex flags up. And that kind of teaches the society a lesson that, you know, don't speak about your opinions freely. Don't express yourself because there might be consequences. And that's totalitarian, Angela, in my opinion. Well, yes. But when there's been a touchy subject throughout history, I would say that people have risen up in some way. I mean, years ago, people didn't have Facebook in order to rise up on. Yeah. They didn't have a newspaper to rise up on or a letters column. They rose up with something else, you know, fists probably, a lot of them, because they couldn't manage to say and be understood and get their message across. So at some point, people's conscience and right way of thinking does manifest itself. It always has. It always has. And, and, and just to be clear, because I'll get hammered if I don't ask you, you generally, <laughs> in, in general, you don't have a problem with people and their sexuality. It's the flaunting of it that's your issue. It's the flaunting. But let me also add this. I'm very compassionate. I've written many books on a very difficult subject for people to understand. And I've been all over the world putting forward simple self-help and prevention of urinary tract infections. So a lot of people know that I can talk without constraint about matters that are difficult to talk about. I have sat at the bedside, holding hands, being companion to all sorts of people who are ill on their deathbeds. 
And many of those have been, in the old days, HIV, AIDS, people dying of all sorts of difficult subjects. And I have been the one, if I've been in the location, that they've asked to come and sit with them. Um, I have somebody dying at the moment. And someone died near to me last May. All of difficult subjects. And I don't hold back. I'm very comforting. I'm very clear. I support. I'm kind. And for the prides, another whole conversation would be about why have we got this enormous new newish idea it's not really new of different genders yeah. and that's for another conversation but i am totally accepting of absolutely everybody and i'm kind and generous and thoughtful to all creatures great and small you sounded on the gender thing briefly and i know you'll be getting phone calls now for most of the day from people who want to interview you but on the gender this relationship and sex education curriculum which is in the schools which i think is is doing a great deal of damage to children your um party leader of course the prime minister rishi sunak has said there should be a review into what children are hearing in schools would that give you any confidence that some of this silliness might be about to come to an end that somebody with a bit bit of sense is going to start taking a serious hard look at what children are learning Children's minds are like blotting paper and what you put in them for the first actually 20 years of life is vital. And if you put in good things, they will be a good child. If you put in difficult things, they will probably be a difficult child. We have to keep a constant eye on what and how our children, small ones right through, are being taught. I read the newspapers as much as anybody else. I'm not, I'm, I don't have a private line to Rishi Sunak, of course. Um, but we do have to watch out what we teach our children. They are like blotting paper from the first time they can talk right through to their 20s. And it's up to us to lead a good path in life and not put boulders in the way. I've had grandchildren, I've had children. There are things I would rather not have done. There are the majority of things I'm very pleased I did. And I've got two worthy children and worthy grandchildren and several adopted children. And I also worked for... Um, home from hospital for many, not home from hospital, um, the children's charity. And I have looked after about 12 children. And you have to be nice to children and be kind and friendly. You don't have to teach them how to masturbate or how to have different kinds of sex or whatever else. That's for much later in life, much later. And and it could be causing great harm, as Miriam Kate said. Thanks for that. Just final question. Sixteen years councillor, you're you're calling it quits um around the local elections in May. Sell it to me then, Angela. Sell it to me as somebody who's never been involved in politics. Sell being a councillor, being a, an elected official. Is it something you'll miss? Um, thank you for that nice question. I decided last year that I would stop in view of my age and one's health declines as one ages everybody's health does decline in some way or other 
and 16 years, which includes eight as a, as a town councillor and eight as a district councillor, I make up to 16 years. And I've given every part of my being to that. And I have stood my ground. Our town council and our district council have been very pleasant places. We have not had to have the police in or anything like that going on. We are very nice people all round. And I've always got on well with the leader of the district council who has had to suspend me from the conservative group. Um, that's probably according to rules. I don't know what his inner thoughts are because I've been rather busy anyway, and I'm sure he is because we have a full council tonight. Um, I won't be there. But yes, I would say to everybody, rather than just make comments about your council, why don't you go and visit them? We have open galleries where you can come and sit and watch. And of course, all our um, programs are now broadcast so you can watch on YouTube every live meeting. Um, I was chairman of district council for two years in a row, including the pandemic. And I have to say there were some occasions when I looked a bit strained and others when I looked quite glamorous. <laughs> but, but I also had to come to terms with the new Zoom and Teams and things like that. And that was very hard for an older person. But I, I, I look back, Richie, and I have nothing but happiness and pleasure and contentment as my time as a councillor and would strongly recommend it to everybody who would like to go and be part of their town or their district. Yeah, that was Angela Kilmartin speaking with me a little bit earlier on today, given a three-week suspension by her political party, the Conservative Party, for something she said on Facebook in response to um, somebody who was goading her about putting pride flags in uh, pretty much in the high street in, in, in her village. And she said she was... Um, didn't want to see pride sex flags everywhere, that people shouldn't be flaunting their sexuality. Angela Kilmartin. Lots of comments on that. I'll be taking your telephone calls in a few moments. I'm looking forward to it. I've already posted an article to the website richieallen.co.uk with the details. So if you go to richieallen.co.uk, the latest article has the meme. It's also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. Thanks to Raj for doing that. Thank you, Raj. Brian says, teach to masturbate. Who needs to be taught to masturbate, says Brian. Yeah, it's a good question, that. Pandora says, they cited the Equalities Act against Angela Kilmartin, yet her belief, political if not religious, surely is also protected under the Equalities Act. You would have imagined so, Pandora. It is a mad word we inhabit now. You're suspended. Why? Because you don't want those flags up. You bigot. Caroline Feely asks, Does anyone know what winter vagina is? I have never heard of this until this year. A thousand desperately bad jokes have just come into my mind, Caroline. I'm not going to share them. Winter vagina. Think about it. They'll come to your mind too. And Dory says, The councillor is a grand lady. Lots of class there. Speaking of protests, says Faisal, and Carol was on to say, Richie, my son Douglas is gay, and he says that Angela has it all wrong. He was talking about it, and he would speak to you if you want to contact. We're in Waterford, says Carol. Carol, he's well, come on. 
He's welcome on the programme, is uh, Douglas, of course he is, anytime. He can get through shortly or send me a message on Skype, chat with Richie. If he's on Skype, send me a message. Otherwise, we can do it another day. Of course, everybody shall be heard. Absolutely right. Thank you. Johnny says, I worked in Witham years ago. There's a famous female writer who hails from Witham, but I can't remember her name. I don't know either. So you've, you've, you've foxed to me as well. Uh, Bruce says, Greta is almost right. The extinction of most of us is in the script at some point. Uh, thank you for that, Bruce. Craig says, all those useless eaters, sorry, elderly people, taking up good living quarters, ship them off to care homes or kill them off with hypothermia. And those homes will be available for the migrants, says Craig. The solution is so simple. And then he says, my apologies, I'm in conspiracy theory mode now. Mad, isn't it? Six million quid a day. Crazy. And like I said, and listen, if you're new to the programme, please believe me. Let's not do the gaslighting thing to each other. Let's trust each other that when we say something, we really mean it. I have nothing to fear. My name has been destroyed in the press in this country. You know that. Terrorist groups like Hope Not Hate, who seek to terrify people into not speaking to people, um, because of alleged opinions those people might hold. But all of these groups, right, they've done everything they can. I've nothing to hide. I'm an old trade unionist, an old lefty. I've said this too many times. I really have. And uh, I, um, I've i lost my train of thought now, so I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, Patrizia says, uh, and the ghoul Tony Blair witch project is still roaming the streets. Perhaps the World Economic Forum deal for him was to do their bidding regarding the digital ID and all their other filthy, dirty work, so he escaped being prosecuted by the ICC. It's an interesting theory, Patricia. What I was going to say was, listen, countries do have a responsibility. And of course, this is complicated, to take in those who are fleeing real persecution. Of course they do. We live in a crazy world, so oftentimes, people who come to this country saying, they are genuinely being persecuted, and they are, sometimes they are. They're not all Albanians or, or, or people from countries, you know, with economic problems. Um, oftentimes they're genuine, but oftentimes also they are fleeing persecution in their own country. That was sponsored by MI6, by the CIA, and by others. It's coming up for two minutes past the hour. Here are the contact details. Uh, I'm opening the phones now. Skype and telephone. The old voice is still not great. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 Talk to Richie now. And those details, if you didn't write them down, are on richieallen.co.uk, my website, richieallen.co.uk. I look forward to hearing from you. Let's get a few calls on. Let's keep it moving. What have you got to say? In light of what we talked about earlier, I'm sure you've got plenty to say. Plenty, I reckon. So get in touch right now. 0161818 Chat with Richie on Skype. Let's do it then. Sister Sledge, thinking of you. The time is going to run away from us, so let's get straight to the calls. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? You're talking to Max with Simon again. I rung up a year ago. How you doing, Simon? Welcome back, pal. It's been a while. Lovely to hear from you. The floor is yours, my mate. What would you like to say? Well, last time I, I talked to you, I was talking about what was going on with the Great Reset 
and this war in Ukraine with Russia and the rest of it, all that's come out now and going on to the next phase of all of this. I think that the next phase will be because the mainstream media is now starting to talk about what COVID is, where it came from and all the rest of it, they're going to start rolling out and start pointing finger at diving over. So United States and China will start pointing finger at each other. And I believe that the virus does exist and it's a gain-of-function chimeric virus that was created in the United States first at Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and they shipped the whole program to China. Around about the time there was military games going on in China, is that right? Yes, at the Wuhan military games, October 2019. Why do you think they brought it to China? Do you think they wanted to um, release it in China and do great harm to the Chinese population? Well, people got different opinions on the whole entire thing, but I, I, I think, from all research I've been looking at, that it, it seems to me that this is a real chimeric virus that doesn't really affect many people and it selects people in different ways, but it could have basically... We, we, could, we didn't have to do any lockdowns or anything. We should have just gone with lives. Yeah. But <clears throat> obviously... It does exist. The thing is, is that I, for a long time, dismissed that it even existed at all. I've never took a test, never had a vaccine, never done nothing. Tell this, me, this, this is... Go on, go on. No, I was going to say, can we stay with the virus itself for a minute? Because did you see in the Sunday Telegraph, there was um, an exclusive in the Sunday Telegraph, which nobody picked up today, unsurprisingly, in the legacy media, a claim that scientists were trying to combine two of the COVID variants to see could they make it stronger. British scientists. The Telegraph ran yeah, this on Sunday. Yeah, 80% kill rate, didn't they, somehow? That's astonishing. I mean, if that's true, and look, we know we can't believe everything we read in the papers, far from it. We can't believe much of what we read in the papers. But that is one of the most astonishing claims in 2023, that while COVID was allegedly out there in the community and hurting the so-called vulnerable, you had scientists in this country trying to put two variants together to see could they make a super virus. That's madness. Yeah. They've got biological weapon labs literally all over the world, and there's loads in Ukraine as well. You see this claim, Simon, about the, this is the thing that kills me. You know, I want, I don't want to be the doubting Thomas all the time, but when I read in the independent media, you know, they've got the US is running biological labs in Ukraine, and, and, and then nobody shows any definitive proof. You know, I, I can believe it, it makes sense. I mean, NATO has basically surrounded Russia, I, 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 I can believe it. But you'd have to see absolute evidence of it, wouldn't you? To say it's 100% true. Well, there, there were a lot of information coming out at first that the media were saying that it was misinformation, disinformation, Russian disinformation. And then they backtracked and started saying, okay, they do exist, but Reuters said that they were called health labs when right. they are <laughs> literally Pentagon-funded biological weapon labs. That's what they really are. It's the bioweapons. Not very effective ones, but they are. No, that's, that's the whole thing. Ones. Yeah, I mean, to release something like that and for, you know, to be as mild. Before I take another call then, where will that end up then? I mean, if is this just going to be, a, in, in, in the short term, a kind of a pissing contest between the US and China or could it escalate into something very serious? 
Well, I think obviously this, this phone call is too short for me to go into detail, but I think Birdflow is going to be next because they won't stop talking about it and <clears throat> they'll either just fake the whole thing with PCR tests just to scare everybody to death. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's for uh, June 2030, really, and phasing out all the need to not rest it. But if they would start talking about what COVID really is, because all they've been saying all along so far is, this fact, this um, this virus is dangerous. We need to protect ourselves. And it were all about creating the vaccine. Then it were all about getting the vaccine. Then it were all about taking the vaccine. But they never really talked about on media what it is, where it came from, who funded it, who created it. None of that. No. It was just it's come from a wet market, and then you were conspiracy theorists were saying that it came from the lab. They're still now ignoring it. Backtrack now. They're starting to say, oh, it might, it might have done. But are they? Because you're right, it did appear in the last two to three weeks, it did appear in mainstream publications, but, but without any follow-up, Simon. You see, this is what journalists, people don't understand this who don't understand journalism. It's not good enough for the BBC or for the Telegraph or Sky News to say evidence might be emerging that, you know, the virus was man-made. It's not good enough to say that and then just to leave it there and move on to something else, which is what they do, and forget about it. You know, they come back on the Wednesday, the day after, and they don't return to that story and say, right, we've got to follow this up now. This is the issue with it. I think they just put it out there, maybe to cover their backsides, right? And then they don't talk about it again. I think they're going to roll it out slowly, and I think they're going to point the finger at each other. The United States are going to say that it came from China. They, they, they're responsible for shutting down the world. They must pay. And China's going to come back and say, we've got all this evidence. <laughs> so that's, that's, what I, that's, what, that's what I'm on right now. That's I'm, really, I'm that and, you, and you, might, you might very well be right, but China can say it as all the evidence it wants. We won't see well, that evidence because the media in this country won't show the evidence. You, you might you, you might get it on an unless it were unless it were the agenda uh, they'll never show it now. Simon, that's really interesting. I'm getting calls, mate. I, I've no doubt they'll be right, on this. All right, I'll let you go. But I just wanted to have me say again. <laughs> good, to, good to hear from you, Simon and Mex. Brilliant to have Simon on. What do you think of that? Um, Simon reckons it's a US-made virus that was then exported to China during the Wuhan military games. It's your call on. RichieAllen.co.uk. The details are there. I've got another call in the system. I'm going to get through plenty, by the way. Don't panic. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Hello, caller. You're live. Who am I speaking with? Oh, hello, Richie. It's Angela. How are, you, how are you doing, Angela? I'm all right. It's the other Angela. It's the other Angela. Remind me, where are you, Angela? Um, I'm I'm the Angela who um, messages you all the time, Angela Lambert. Ah, it is yourself. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it must be two years since you got through to me. Hey, listen, welcome back, by the way. Hello. Lots, <laughs> lots to talk about. What would you like to dive right into? Well, I, I don't know whether you remember, but I um, manage uh, development of retirement apartments. Yeah. And um, in that world, they're now going over to rentals only. And um, I just think that that might end up being rentals that are taken over by these government um, people who, who are going to let them out to asylum seekers. or Hang on now, because um, as you well know, I'm a little bit slow now. So hang on. So I do remember you running these um, these inst- these institutions. So you're you're saying 
how how would it happen? Explain to me, kind of like step by step, how one of these places could end up in the government's hands and could end up housing refugees. Well, um, companies like mine, are, um, at the moment, um, the place where I work, oh. it's rentals or people buy their own apartment. Um, but the, these companies are, are now going over to rentals only. If they can't then let them to elderly people, um, which I think will be a struggle because we're getting rid of our elderly people, um, then they might well take up an offer, a bit like these hotels have, to house asylum seekers. And that's, you think that's a legitimate possibility? I do, yeah. Yeah, I do. And then you're, you, you, you will obviously see a decrease then in facilities for elderly people who will need them. Yeah. Automatically, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously, I'm, I'm watching the elderly people I work with, and, um, yeah, I, I can see a time where we're not going to have so many of them. I, you know, what, what, did you make, getting... what, what did you make of that um, BBC report, um, Wooten Bassett, I think, where he went yeah, down to the... Yeah, not far from me, I, I live in Wiltshire. So. Yeah, you have 100 um, senior people living in a community. Then they put 80 yeah. young men into a hotel. And the hotel <laughs> then more or less becomes off limits to the people who used it for the leisure facilities. I mean, this has got nothing to do with being a conservative or or, no. or a lefty. That This is just insane, Angela. It is absolutely insane. And um, given that it's so close to me, it's the first I've heard of it, actually. I mean, I'm only less than half an hour away from Wooten Bassett. Um, but it just made me think what, I, what has been in my mind um, about retirement places generally. Um, and it made me think that, yes, they will take over all these facilities if they can. And maybe I shouldn't be talking about it because it gives them ideas. But. Yeah, that's, well, that's the thing, isn't it? But no, I, I, there aren't. I mean, I'm sure they've thought of this already. Yeah, and um, six million pounds a day at a time when people are, I've never been worse off. You know, I, I spoke recently to somebody who works for one of the energy providers and uh, somebody I just happened to bump into and, and said the amount of people that are in serious arrears and that's giving them serious problems, stress, health problems. Um, nothing for them but six million quid a day for young men, not all young men, but for a lot of no. young men to come here. They don't have any real reason to be here. And uh, to keep them in, 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 in a hotel. And, you know, with, with everything they did during the COVID thing, they made, dif- a bit, they, they made things very difficult for hoteliers, didn't they? And hospitality in general. So who could, blame the, who could blame the hotel owner, Angela, if you get a phone call from the home office? And they said, I'll tell you what, we'll fill your hotel for a year. Happy days, Angela. Yeah, it, it's difficult, really, because um, I'd like to think that I would never succumb to such a thing. Um, I, I thought I was going to lose my job um, during that year of the jab because people, um, some of the elderly people wanted me forcibly jabbed or to lose my job. And I would have just gone, I'd have lost my job. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't have been entirely on my uppers. But, you know, I do need to work. So, um, but, but I'd like to think I've got more morals and I wouldn't take the You wouldn't do it, yeah. Well, no. Well, knowing what you know, I don't believe you would do it. And, 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 and when I say that, I suppose I'm giving a pass to the hoteliers who, who hand over the hotels, but maybe they just don't know the things we know. They don't understand what this migration agenda is really about and how it's really hurting communities. They don't get it, maybe, and 
maybe we'll give them a, not so much of a pass, but there's that, that's the mitigating factor, maybe, Angela, you know? Yeah, I, I do think a lot of people simply don't see what's going on at all. I mean, they just don't. You know, I've, I've mostly lost touch with all my old friends. I've got lots of lovely new friends, um, some of whom will be listening tonight. But um, my old friends, who are perfectly nice people, but they simply can't see... They can't see what's happening. You made me a bit no. sad yesterday morning, to be honest. Um, during Could the uh, yeah, because 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 I do hear it quite a bit. Like you know, I, yeah. understandably, the show will get like emails from people, and over the last two years, you know, more than more than a few people have said, you know, a son or a daughter or even a mum or a dad is not talking to me because I have mm-hmm. you know I understand what's happening with COVID. And they don't, and we're just not talking. And I don't want to be making you now upset now, because, uh, but, but no, just, just no, to mention it yesterday, fine. yeah, yeah. No, two two of my three children um, have stopped all contact with me. We haven't actually had any rows, but I did send them information to try and protect them. But um, yeah, no they, contact they didn't want whatsoever. To know. Yeah, they, they one didn't. son, as I do, and um, that's okay. But the other two, no. I think, it, I, think. I, I, I think I think eventually they will and um, and you'll have your reunion and you'll be together again and I think that'll be the same for many, many people because I think as the weeks and months go by it's something you can't ignore and uh, mm. more and more people are re- you know reaching out to people and saying God, I never really understood what was happening and now I do so Angela, before I take another call that's serious then if you're right then that these um, um, care facilities for seniors could end up being commandeered by governments to uh, to house migrants if they run out of yeah. hotels. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. Good to hear from you sure. again, Angela. It's been a All while. Right. Thanks. And, and thanks for participating. Um, always got something really interesting to say, Angela, on the website richieallen.co.uk or... Um, Indeed, on the phone in, it's zero one six one eight one eight two zero one eight zero one six one eight one eight two two zero one eight. Chat with Richie on Skype. It's Monday's Richie Allen show. The time is nineteen minutes past the hour, and we're off to the states now. I do believe we're off to the states to Dory. How are you doing, Dory? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Nothing. It's the mic, isn't it? Got to uh, unmute the mic when you give me a call. I think we're off to Ireland now. We might be off to Ireland. Are we off to... Is it Ireland? Good evening, caller. Who am I speaking with? Oh, it's Carol. I was going to speak to my son, Douglas. Carol, is this is this Carol in Waterford? Yes. How are you doing, Carol? Nice to chat with you. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you got through. I thought I might get an email from you. But, um, um, yeah, it's, it's Douglas around. He is. Yep, hang on a second, I'll get him for Put you. Put him on. Hang on. Waterford man. You don't get enough water for people on this programme, that's the problem. That's the problem with it. Hello? Douglas, hi, welcome to the programme, how are you? Hello. I'm fine, thanks, how are you? I'm really good, mate, thanks for um, for, for getting in touch, I really appreciate it. Um, so you Bye. you were listening to Angela Kilmartin, the councillor, earlier. And you want yeah. you want to take issue with something she said, which is fantastic. We don't get right of reply often enough on this programme. So the floor is yours, my friend. Go ahead. Well, she's saying that the, the flag is about sex. And it's not. It's about sexuality. It's two different things. Yeah, sexuality involves sex, but it doesn't necessarily... It's not all about sex. And... Uh, the I can, reason the flag... Can I, can I stop the you flag, there for a second, Douglas, now? Um, yeah. 
could Carol or somebody move the device away because I can hear the show in the background and I want to hear okay. you if, if, if they don't mind <laughs> yeah. they're all technophobes mums I, I, I know this so anyway so it's not about sex it's about sexuality go ahead yeah um, I was having a discussion with, with some of my uncles and aunts a couple of weeks ago and as I pointed out to them if you are straight white middle or working class you have never had to explain yourself to anyone about who you are um, if you are gay uh, bisexual lesbian transgender transsexual anything anything on the spectrum there you have to you have to explain who you are to everybody give me an example give me an example of that when would you have to explain that you're a gay man um when you meet someone they try to introduce you to their daughter straight away i'm not if you saw me walking down the street i'm not typically like flamboyant or i'm just a normal guy you're not effeminate you're not you're not a screaming queen is no. what you're saying yeah fair enough no no, no i'm not yeah I'm, I'm actually a drag queen for a living oh are you for a living but, wow yes so but if you saw me walking down the street i wear jeans and a t-shirt and a pair of trainers you know i'm not i'm just a normal person but i meet a lot of people all the time who who the first thing they say is, what a shame, what a waste. Well, that's, that's, that's offensive for once, because for me it's not a waste. And for me it's not a shame, and for my partners it's not a shame or a waste. But they would never say that to a straight person. Well, my gay boss, Billy McCarthy, said that to me more than once. Yeah. And Billy would yeah. introduce me to his gay friends. And I'm yeah. not a particularly good-looking man now, Douglas, and I wasn't a particularly good-looking <laughs> man when I was younger. But it would be said to me, what a waste. And I never took offence at that. Can I go back? Now, you know that I'm an arg- argumentative yeah. bastard, right? You must know yeah, this, yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so let me go back to what you said. So somebody introduces you to, to their daughter, and, and you yeah. have to explain yourself. Where's the problem there? Where's the issue with you just saying, actually, I'm gay? But that's fine. That doesn't, it doesn't bother me. But I have to, you, when you come out, you spend the rest of your life coming out. Right. You spend all your life coming out. You just spend all your life coming out. All your life. You never, you never stop having to come out. Whereas if you are straight... You don't have to do it. But, yeah, but did, you, did you go to your parents when you were 14 years old and say, hey, mum and dad, I'm, I'm straight? No, and I get this. No. I, 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 listen, I get this. You didn't have to do that, whereas I, I yeah. had to do that. I'm not obtuse, so I totally get this, right? I yeah. totally get this because you're, you're a young man or a young woman and you are attracted to somebody of the same sex. Right, yeah. that is going to be something you have to talk about. I totally get that. But yeah. here, here's my problem. if you go to a Catholic school like I did, yeah. and you are told it is wrong, you are going to hell, that makes it doubly hard to come out. Well, it's not nice to hear that. I'll give you that. And that's no, a, and I was told that. I, don't I was a, told that. I don't agree with that, by the way. Um, I don't no, know how much no, you know about the show. No, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think most people do. No. But when you are told that... And then you're told you choose to be gay, and it's a choice. And then, then why would you choose to make your life hard? I agree with you. It's nonsense. The the notion that people choose their sexuality is utter unscientific yeah. nonsense. I agree with you. Now, hang on, because I'm going yeah. I'm going to give you plenty of time. Right, the other callers can wait because right. this is important. <laughs> what What about? Because uh, I've had Church of England preachers on the program. What about yeah. those people who? Implicit, they believe it to their bone marrow. It's their faith. They believe that it is sinful. 
what can we do with people like that? And I would count some people who think that, I would count them as friends, whereas I completely disagree with them. What would a young gay man like you do with somebody like that, given the chance? I can do nothing about what they believe. Yeah. But I also wouldn't try and change what they believe. I wouldn't go out there and say, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. If, unless it hurts people, unless they're doing something that hurts people, I wouldn't say you can't go out and put your, your church flag up. Yeah. Because I don't agree with it. Whereas they, we are told you cannot put your pride flag up. Here in Waterford, um, two years ago, someone burnt down the pride flag outside the police station. They burnt it down. I don't agree with burning anybody's flag. Here's my issue. No, you, you, no, I don't I, know if Carol... Can, a, can I say this? I don't know if Carol has said this to you. I'm getting the, the impression that no. Carol is the listener, right? Here's, here's yeah. where I am. Back in 1999, um, I was asked to escort a couple of lads to Gecko uh, nightclub in the Glen because they were being attacked on a Friday night. So yeah. um, I'm not um, Chuck Norris now or Bruce Lee, as it happens, but I'm a big lump. <laughs> I'm a big lump, right? I'm a big baldy lump. Yeah. So I said, yeah, look, we can't have any of that. And I did that, and I was speaking to the proprietor, Jerry Forrestal, great guy, a, a gay man, yeah. and Billy. I said, look, what's going on? And they said, ah, look, it's just the occasional little bit. They were of the impression that the fight had been won. And I had this out with Peter Tatchell on this programme several years ago. As far as I'm concerned, and you're going to jump all over me and you're going to get all the time, yeah. I'm not going to interrupt you. <laughs> the fight has been won. The, the world is not a scary place for gay and lesbian it men, women anymore. It is still scary for a lot of people. Why, though? It is, there's, there are still, so recently, a drag queen got beaten up, got the absolute crap beaten out of her in, in Dublin. And a, a drag queen friend of mine was going between two gigs and got beaten up. And you think you might so, run the risk because you work as a drag queen, so you, it, it no, might well, be an issue I'm, for you. I'm, when I'm in drag, I'm over seven foot, so people don't tend to mess with me. But, right. <laughs> but um, you know... But aren't these, are, aren't these isolated incidents, Douglas? They are isolated incidents. They're not, this is not the norm. Well, there is, but then there's also, but there's also an underlying thing. Of there's, there's an acceptance, but also people still don't agree. And it's, it's when people get in groups of people that don't agree, then, then it becomes scary for individuals like me to walk to clubs or to go to places that... Like, I've never had an issue with holding a partner's hand yeah. in public. And nor, why should I? Nor should you, yeah. But... but do you, if you hold, if you held your partner's hand in public, no one would bat an eyelid. Ah, oh, they would. They'd say, if "What's I that ugly bastard doing with her?" Yeah, I, I hear do. you. Yeah. So it, 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 there is still a need for pride and for pride flags because there is still there is still issues with it. Is it possible not, that some not, not equality? Is there? Is it possible that some gay people, particularly young gay people, is it possible? Yeah. I'm not saying this about you that they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder because maybe they haven't come to terms themselves with their own sexuality, which is a natural thing and which they didn't choose. Because I look at the stats and I've, I've gone through this a thousand times in the Republic of Ireland and in the UK. Violence yeah. against gay people, Douglas, I swear, it's basically non-existent. But it has, it has increased recently. It has increased recently. There are more and more, there are more and more instances of it recently. And like I, I don't. I'm I'm 43, so I grew up under Section 28, where you weren't yeah. allowed to talk about anything. Or, um, and so for me, it was a big deal to come out, massive. 
I think that younger generations have it slightly easier and that it is, accept- it is more acceptable because my generation and the ones below, below us have, have more accepting anyway because it's become a norm. Yeah, you took the brunt, yeah. 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 But you, it is still, it's still, you can't explain to someone who's never had to come out how it feels. I get because that. Because if you, if, you, if you are the majority, which is straight, white, no cisgendered, then you have never had to experience it. And therefore, you, can't, you cannot understand how it is that every time you have to, you have to tell someone you're gay. But why, you should we, you're but, but why should we have to understand? This is the problem I have. I am a 48-year-old bloke who doesn't have a prejudicial yeah. body in my, a bone in my body. Why should I no. have to listen? I don't mean to you, but to this, why should yeah. I get, why should I be receiving emails from my company asking me to join up to um, allyship programs with my with my gay colleagues? This is madness, Douglas. It's madness. I don't have that, a problem with it. Most people don't. And no. therefore, let's just forget about it. Like, But if you forget about that sort of thing, then, then the prejudice creep back in. There are still countries in the, in the world where it's illegal to be gay, where you will be shot. Yeah, but not gay. here. But not here, though. Yeah, but, but that doesn't matter because it, it's not that long ago it happened here. But but it's it doesn't happen here game. anymore because because people wised up and and people and, and and measures were taken it's, and people were told it was unacceptable to discriminate against people based on their sexuality. So it doesn't but happen. People still do discriminate against the people. They still do. Right, and we agree that this is a very very rare thing. And when it happens, yeah, yeah punish them appropriately. But this thing about yeah. telling people that they have to, you know, I mean, I find it very sinister that a business might feel it's going to be targeted if it doesn't put a pride flag in the window during Pride Month. I would not put a well, pride no, flag that, in my that, window. I think that's completely down to the business. Yeah. And it won't be... I don't think the pride committees or the pride, the people organising pride will, will be, will be targeted doing that to people because that's not how... I'm on a pride committee and that's not how we deal with things. Pride is inclusive. We try to include everybody, whether you're gay, straight, lesbian, transgender, bi... And it doesn't matter. It, it, pride is about inclusivity. But the people that would target a business because they're not putting a flag up, they're not, they're not proud. <laughs> they're not part of pride. Yeah, but you know what goes on. You, 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 you know that it's outrageous that a councillor should be given yeah. a suspension because she says, I don't want your pride sex flags. It doesn't matter if she's wrong about, uh, about how she understands no, I, the pride I, I totally flag. Agree. She shouldn't have been suspended. No. Also, by, by saying that she doesn't want them, she's also then... She's also then Putting a quash on on people's freedom. No, she's not because the flags Why are going to, because the flags are going no, to go is. up anyway. She's saying don't put the flags up. She's saying don't put the flags up. She's saying don't show who you are. But but they're going up anyway. It doesn't make a difference. But that's what I'm saying. No, but she's saying don't do it. So she is discriminating. Well, because she, she is discriminating by doing that. Because she like me because I don't. She said the flags were about sex. The flags are not about sex. They're about they're about. A spectrum of people who want to be included in, in mainstream society. Right, and I would argue, and I, I would argue that when Peter Tatchell and others were, were marching in the 1970s against genuine discrimination, I would have stood alongside the pride flag then and I would have said absolutely. But that war has yeah. been won. There is no evidence whatsoever that gay, lesbian or trans people are being discriminated for being who they are. There is none. In fact, gay, lesbian and trans people are overrepresented in every area in society, particularly in the media. There's nothing to fight for. 
the fight's over. The gay people have but, won. But what about the people who are still getting beaten up because of who they are? Again, I don't know if, we're, if we'll have to agree to disagree. It's terrible if somebody gets beaten up because they're gay. I'm I saying that this two is very rare. Who have been beaten up because of who they are, and the people who did it, their sexuality, and the people who did it should should be arrested. They should be charged, and if found guilty, they should go to jail and for they a few weeks. Been found. But it's a it's a rare thing, Douglas. I could, but it's still, but it's still, they still were beaten up because of their sexuality, because of who they love. And can I ask you? Let, let me ask you this: So, ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of people would never attack yeah. a gay person because no. they're gay. So, hang on. So, what do you want me to do about the isolated example where a gay person gets beaten up? I mean, what do you want us to do about it? It's bound to happen. If a straight person gets beaten up, find the people and do and do something about it. Douglas, come here and I, I tell you, I, Douglas. Hang on, hang on. I was knocked down by a van and a car in in Manchester yeah, three weeks ago. I heard the, that. The yeah, police so don't I, give I, a I, shit, Douglas. I've had neighbours who were broken into. Don't tell... Uh, not, not, I, I'm, I agree the same thing. They should, have, they should have found those people for you. They don't care. And I, I, got, I got hit by a car on the, on the um, dual carriageway. And because I couldn't give a full description, full number plate, they don't the police didn't care. And they the, didn't care. And my point is... So it's not, and, I know, and I know that's not just about the thing, but what, what she was saying was that the flag is about sex, and it's not about sex. It's about pride, about, about your sexuality and inclusivity. That's what I took issue with, with her, that she said it was about sex, and it's not about sex. Not for you, it's not, certainly, no. I don't know, because I'm not so, gay, I don't know, but, but look, no. there, there, there are, I, I, I have to say, I mean, we, we, we could talk about this another day, actually, about, yeah. about, <laughs> about pride, and, no, no, I mean that, I'll, I'll, I'll take a note of the number, yeah. and we can, and we can do it, but you, you, you feel very strongly that she mis- misrepresented what the flag means, and yeah, you, you, di- you, you, you disagree with me that, you, 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 you believe, I don't believe for a minute, and it's not because I choose not to believe it, it's because I base what I do on evidence, for me, yeah. there is no evidence that the police have not arrested your friend, uh, sorry, have, have not found the person who assaulted the gay person. There is no evidence that yeah. that arrest hasn't taken place because of discrimination. It's because they're useless. No. They're useless. No, but yeah. But they were beaten up because, of they, because they were gay. And you know what, Douglas? I hate um, to say this to you, mate, but that's going to happen as long as there are human beings on this planet. Once in a blue I, I moon. I know. And I, and what I, can I, we do I about it? I completely understand that. Yeah. I completely understand that. We don't focus but, on the fact that, 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 again, that the great majority of people just don't care. I get annoyed, not by yeah. you, not, not, not by you, not for a million years, but I get annoyed when stonewalling groups um, try and impose this on me, that I have to care about this and I have to be involved. No, I don't. No, I don't give a shit what no, your you sexuality I, I, is. I agree with you. You don't have to, to care. But it, if you're saying that, if you're saying that the flag, the flag is about sex, and it's not about sex. It's about inclusivity. Tell me this um, b- before we go. A lot of us are very concerned, and this is not about gay or lesbian or straight. A lot of us are concerned. You mentioned drag queens. Obviously, there's been yeah. a couple of big stories in, in the press here about drag queens speaking to children um, on yeah. the Isle of Man and talking to very young children about fairly graphic sex. I don't think I have to ask you. I doubt very much you agree with that, do you? Um, no, and I think that, that someone has very cleverly use drag queens to uh, deflect from from things they don't want to do. And also, I, I, I think it's completely wrong. I wouldn't go into a school and talk to children about sex. I'm not a sex education person. Yeah. Um, you know, even in drag, I would, I would do drag story time, tell, you know, tell a story, but that would be a child's story. It would not be anything to do with sex or sexuality because... 
Um, I think that what they've done is they've used some drag queens in a very clever way. And again, they've sort of like made it so that, that the drag queens are the the bad wolf. That's an interesting, <laughs> an interesting angle on that, yeah. I mean, whatever is going on there, it's just preposterous to be... It's very, it's, it's very strange. And I don't, know, I don't know a drag queen that would go into a school... And talk and about that. sex, yeah, absolutely. So that's this... very odd, very odd. So forty-three, are you? Are you in a? Uh, are you dating or are you in a relationship at the moment? You might have told me that. No, eternally <laughs> single. <laughs> You're single at the moment, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, as for because I, I think back to my days in Waterford doing uh, DJing at Gecko, is are there yeah. places now? Are there more places for gay and lesbian and trans people to go uh, on a Friday or on a Saturday um, and not be stuck with straight there's people? One, one club, one night a week. Right. And it's not particularly great. So, right. Um, yeah, not many opportunities. I remember, I remember Jerry tearing his hair out years ago that too many straight people were turning up to Gecko and he was totally right, of course. Um, straight people <laughs> went there because the crack was good and the beer was good and yeah. the company was good. It's, always, it's the same. It's the same. You look at anywhere. Look at, look at Canal Street, Manchester. Look at you know, Soho in London. It's, it's because it's a good night out. People go. Do you pop over to Canal Street once, once in a while? I have been, not for a while, but yeah, I have been. <laughs> next, time, next time you're over for a few days, give me a shout, I'll buy you a beer. All right, then. <laughs> I will. Douglas, thanks for getting in touch for Right of Reply. I really appreciate it, mate. Thanks for that. Thank you very much. Right. Good, good to chat with you. That's Douglas there. Um, his mum, Carol, was um, listening to me speak with Angela Kilmartin earlier on and said that he disagreed with her take on the pride flag. Um, his take on it is, uh, Douglas's take on the flag is that it's not about sex, it's about sexuality. Nice bit of right of reply there. 22 minutes to the top of the hour. We have another call in the system, I think, do we? Yes, we do. Caller, you are welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hello. You're live. Caller, who who, who have I got? That's you? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. I didn't think I was going to get through. You got through. We're getting you loud and clear. Who am I speaking with? Uh, Julie. Hello, Julie. Where, where are you? Um, in Norfolk. You're in Norfolk. You're not a million miles away. Well, you are really. You're on the other side of the country, on the east of the country. Go ahead. What would you like to say, Julie? Um, if I can remember two things. Um, the first one, I saw a clip or heard a clip that um, Bill Gates was connecting climate change to COVID and catching viruses and pandemics and things. I don't know if you'd heard that. No, I haven't, no. But um, I'm fascinated by it. Where, where did you see this? Um, it was on a podcast. I think it was David Vance who did who does little clips. Oh, David, and yeah. You hear, yeah, and you hear, hear Bill Gates uh, connecting the two together. How interesting. Yeah. I'll have to dig that out, Julie. Wow. Bill Gates is everywhere, Julie, right? I know, but I just think just connecting the two, it's, it makes such a lot of sense and you can see even more where it's heading. Where do you think it's heading and how soon? Um, it's sort of, it's hard because it's a, it's a slow drip, but also in the background, uh, the wheels are in motion quite fast. <laughs> yeah. And a, a lot of people just aren't aware still. Because the other thing I was going to say was I went uh, shopping on Saturday into a local town and um, I just couldn't believe it. It was so busy. It was 
doubly busier than Christmas. And I didn't understand it. I was gobsmacked because, I don't know, it just confused me because where was everyone? They were all spending money. There was hundreds and hundreds of people everywhere. That's interesting, isn't it? Because things obviously went very quiet on high streets during the lockdowns and then obviously people have been a bit more reluctant in some places you know, to, to head back into crowded areas and yet you've seen a big upsurge in people shopping at a time when we're supposed to believe that most people are struggling financially. That's a, a weird one, yeah. 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 And I, know, I think yeah. people are struggling because everything has skyrocketed price-wise. I don't know if you're feeling it, Julie, but prices at the supermarkets have gone up. Uh, obviously, fuel has gone up. Energy bills have gone up. So uh, there must be a lot oh, of wealthy exactly. people around. The only thing that I sort of, as I was thinking about it on the way home, that I could think of was uh, shopping is a bit of a self-soothing occupation and maybe everyone is quite traumatised and even self-soothing even more than normal. Right. (laughs) (laughs) A bit of retail therapy people are indulging in. Yeah, whether you know whether there's that attitude of well, I'm not going to stop just because I've paid six hundred pounds on my electricity. I'm definitely going to go out and buy myself something at the weekend. You yeah. don't know what have something you, like that. Have you seen gas and electric bills as bad as that? Four hundred, five hundred quid. Um, not personally, but I do know people who have. Yeah, yeah. How people are managing uh, the cost? Old have had a three, four hundred one in in a. I don't know if that, yeah, whether that was in a month or whether that was in a quarter, I don't know, but they were shocked by it anyway, so, I, I yeah. Think, I think month, we, we've had a £400 bill in January. Yeah. Here. Now, there's a little bit of power in the studio here. I, I will kind of take that on board as well, but still, that was absolutely shocking. Astonishing, really. And how, I mean, you, and, go ahead, sorry, Judy, go yeah. ahead. No, carry on. No, no, I, I, I jumped right over you. No, I was just going to say how... Um, we're, we're, we're what, uh, three years since the lockdown. Um, you sound pretty bright and cheery. I mean, are you optimistic about this stuff? Do you, are you kind of half full, half empty person? Is there a possibility that we can stop this where it's going, do you think? Uh, I think it's forever changing and ever fluctuating. It's sort of fluid, like the future is fluid. But at the same time, I do think we are going to go through some some hellish times. So I think the juggernaut, you know, has started and it's on its way no matter what what happens on the other side. Um, I do know that um, sort of in training animals and things, we teach them, say if you want to get a horse to be used to a sparrow flying about if it's nervous, you teach them uh, to be not be afraid of an eagle. So then the sparrow in comparison to the eagle is um, obviously half, not half as bad. So they're like, oh, there's only a sparrow, that's fine. So in that way, how they train us, people being animals, is they make things seem really, really bad. And then really what they want is it knocked back in a little bit. And then we right. feel a sense of relief of like, oh, and we settle for that. And that's probably where we were supposed to go in the first place. That they is take a... us even further. That's a brilliant analogy. Yeah. That's an absolutely outstanding analogy, really. I've not, I've not heard it put like that, but it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, direct them to where you wanted them to be because to them, to us, uh, that looks like a better option. 
when in reality it isn't. It's exactly what they wanted all along, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, Julie. Yeah. And <laughs> is, are, are, are you, is there a network around you down there in Norfolk? Are there people who understand what's going on? Is there a support network down there? I think it's very important these days. Um, yeah, there is quite a, quite a few people awake, really, all of varying degrees in, our, you know, in what we believe. But, yeah, quite a few people, which is lucky. <laughs> which is lucky, absolutely. Julie, thanks for that. Brilliant call, that. I'll check out David Vance's um, podcast now, and I'll get that uh, Bill Gates quote. So thanks for alerting me to that. I didn't know about it. Yeah, you're welcome. Nice uh, to speak to you. Uh, my pleasure, Julie. Thanks very much for calling in. Julie in Norfolk there on uh, Monday's Richie Allen Show. The time is quarter to the top of the hour. Let's see, can we get Dory on this time? I hope you've unmuted your microphone there, have you? Let's see, can we get Dory on this time? No, she's not listening to me. Can I you hear me, Dory? Your microphone there, have you? Some people are so technophobic. <laughs> I don't say that now to be ageist or to be rude or anything, but some people. We we had this before when I tried to get Dory on. She's in the south. She's in the southern states of the United States. We'll go back to the mobile phones. Call her. Welcome. Who am I speaking with? Now then, Richie, it's Mick. How are you doing, sir? Great to hear from you, Mick. How are you, pal? Where are you? I'm not so bad, thanks. I'm, I'm in Bradford. You're in Bradford. What's it like in Bradford this evening? Getting a bit milder, I reckon. Oh. A bit, yeah, it's, a bit, it's milder and cloudy, cloudy night, so it'll be a bit warmer, yeah. Fantastic, yeah. pal. Hey, Mick, time is yeah. running out for us, so uh, go ahead, my friend. What would you like to say? Right, the um, the thing about the pride flags and, and such like, it's, to me, this this is a symptom of political correctness. And... I've, I've, just to put things in perspective, I've 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 I've, I've had fifty tri- fifty eight trips around the sun, so you know I'm getting on a bit. So I've I've seen a bit of life. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, but I, I've seen political correctness when it when it came in. I've, you know, I, I don't think it used to be like this when I was a kid. And and one of the things that crosses my mind is is. They, they got to a point where where, where people stood together and, and and could resist governments, and governments had, had had to do what they're supposed to do, which is enact the will of the people. Yeah. So I I think what happened with, with political correctness was that 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 was one of the things that was brought in to get people fighting among themselves, and and the way they did it was things like people's sexuality, people's religion, even people's politics, politics itself, used to be a personal matter. Yeah. And, you know, you, you might have discussed it with, with, with close friends and, and, and family, but, but it certainly wasn't something that, that, that was part for, for the public square. Now, hang on, Mick. On yeah. that, um, for pretty much most... Of what you said there, yes, but not for a gay person. A gay person is inevitably going to have to discuss their sexuality. It's inevitable because if you are are attracted to somebody who is uh, the same sex as you, you're in a minority anyway, and that is going to come up. It's it's got to come up at some stage. 
So that conversation does have to happen at some stage, doesn't it? I mean, Douglas explained that. It, I would agree with him there. It, well, it, 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 if, let's say, for instance, well, it, it's happened to me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm straight as a die, mate. But um, it, it's happened to me. You know, I, I, I've had gay people come on to me. You know, gay men come on to me. And, you know, that's, in that sense, yeah, the conversation has to be had. And, you know, I've explained that I'm straight. I don't have a problem with with how they are. That's that's their personal thing. That's my, you know, I'm, I've got my personal choice. Yeah, but and, it's not, and, and hang on, hang on. It isn't, it, I don't believe it's their personal choice. I don't believe any man or woman chooses to be attracted to I think I think the attraction is biologically binary. In my opinion, well, it's not in my opinion. I'm convinced of it. Gay people are born that way. I've had gay friends. We've talked about this, you know, and they remember um, that at that age when 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 you're when you're six or seven. I went to a primary school. We had female teachers. I remember being six or seven, having a crush on female teachers, and I, I I've had gay friends over the years who are having those crushes on male teachers so it's not a personal choice it's something that they're born with and you have to live with it i would argue uh, okay yeah yeah okay a poor, poor poor choice of words to say that it was their choice yeah but, but poor choice you know that 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 that, that that's how they are that, fair enough I, I i accept that richie that's that that's fair shout but it, it, it it's when it when it comes in, in into the public square in in, in more than than the, 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 like a conversation between, and as I say, it's, it, it, it's not just the sexuality thing. It, it's lots of things, you know. It, it, like I say, religion, race, politics. It's people have been divided, and and it, it's just another one of these things that, that that's used to, to to deepen the divide. I think. Make your point is brilliant. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. Identity politics is. Look, um, to, to paraphrase uh, uh, Tony Soprano, identities, identity poli- politics brought us to this. You're absolutely bang on. They have subdivided people and subdivided them again and again and again by, by pushing and promoting the idea that your identity is the most imp- important aspect, um, the most important thing about you. It's all-encompassing when it comes to discussing you. And, of course, it's encouraged people to... Um, you know, um, accentuate differences, isn't that right? Accentuate differences and prioritize differences, and of course, then you get yeah. a you get a race to the bottom, then because every identity group then feels that it is vulnerable or that it is specially targeted for abuse or whatever. You're making a brilliant point here. I totally agree with this. Yes, yeah. we're all yeah, guilty I'm, of it. I'm a, t- t- take for instance BLM. You know, before the, all of the BLM thing came up, I, I, I think that, that that that's probably encouraged more racism than it's. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's it, it's not the the, the the cause of of not being racist. It's knocked it back a good few years. I think personally, it's funny you say that because Faisal left a message on the website when I was speaking with Douglas. And Faisal, I think, is a straight man. I'm, I'm pretty sure he is. And he said that maybe there has been a little rise in attacks against gay people. 
And maybe that is down to some of these insane agendas we see in schools and not only in schools, in public buildings and stuff like that, which are not the fault of gay men and women, but but the fault of groups like Stonewall, groups I believe to be very dangerous groups. So Faisal makes the point that you're making there that maybe the 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 publicity given to groups like Black Lives Matter has um you know wound people up to the point where they say or do things they shouldn't do or they wouldn't have thought of doing. I'm not excusing it now. And maybe in the same sense, maybe there is a little bit of a rise in animosity towards gay people based on things that people are reading in the papers which are not the fault of uh, you know, the great majority of gay people. So that's an interesting point as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people are led, aren't they? You know, most most people are led. And um, it, 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 it's like yourself. You, you, you've got a radio show um, which effectively is a megaphone. It allows you to communicate with an awful lot of people. Um, a fantastic radio show, show, by the way. I, I, I think you do it really, really well, Richie. You're very kind. But, like you know, some people, and, 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 and I, I am all for free speech. You know, I'm pro-democracy. I'm pro-free speech. You know, but, but unfortunately, some people, you give them a megaphone and um, and they attract a lot of idiots and cause a lot of trouble. Yeah, there's that. I've, I've gone off the original point no, no, anyway. There, the... <laughs> It's good. It's good. I'm I'm just about to wrap the show anyway, Mick. No, you made a very good point. You made a series of good points there. I really appreciate that, Mick. So um, thanks for that, Mick. In Bradford, we're going to have to leave it there. The programme has uh, come to an end. Thank you for the calls. Thanks to uh, Douglas for getting through, by the way. Uh, appreciate that, Douglas. Nice to have the other side of things. You don't get it enough on the programme. The reason we don't isn't because I don't go looking for it. It's uh, most of the time when you contact groups. I've contacted pro... Uh, not pro-trans, but groups who purport to be advocating for the rights of trans people. And I've invited them on the programme to talk so that I can explain why I see it as I see it, but to give them a chance to say to say to me why they see it as they see it, and they refuse 100 times out of 100. And it isn't just that issue as well. It's lockdowns, it's pharma, it's vaccines. I've sent a 1,000, if not 2,000 emails out to people um, various academic institutions, various companies, and they come back and say, no, we don't debate with people like you, blah, 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 blah. And of course, this course is all the poorer for that. But uh, no, it's nice to have a bit of a debate and an exchange of ideas. Wouldn't it be great if it happened more often? That's pretty much it for me. Back with you tomorrow, Tuesday, at uh, 5 o'clock UK time for Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. This programme, of course, will be available on the podcast of your choice or the podcast website of your choice, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. It goes on to podomatic.com. It's richieallen.podomatic.com. Thanks again to all the callers. Thank you for listening. We'll speak tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Bye for now. Bye.